Hello, everybody. I'm Tommy D, sports director at the Tennessean, and I'm here with... Paul Scarbina, the Predators beat writer for the Tennessean and USA Today Network. Which we'll get to because you'll be covering the NHL All-Star Game for the USA Today Network, the entirety of the network, as well as uh, getting a little Preds uh, action in there. Yeah, there's not a, <clears throat> not a lot of Predators there. Roman will be there, of course, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of looking around and talking to some other guys and you know ch- checking out some some other stories around the league, which will be fun. It's always fun to kind of break out of the regular normal routine. And it's always, you know, the, these games are not, they don't mean anything, um, but they're always fun to watch, a skills competition, and just kind of watching these guys who don't normally get to play together, be together, kind of hang out together. Um, I'm always interested to find out, you know, how the players handle it. Like, do they go there and are they, like, trying to just enjoy themselves? Are they trying to learn something? Are they trying to, you know, they're meeting up with old friends? Just It's kind of a different atmosphere. It's a fun atmosphere. It's laid back. Um, and who doesn't love St. Louis? Exactly. Well, it is It is the uh, Stanley Cup champion city. So I would expect there would be a lot of excitement around the game, the game of hockey in particular there. Well, what's funny, though, is, and, and we'll get to this a little bit later, not funny, but kind of strange, uh, you know, with the rash of coaches that have been fired this year, um, Vegas fired their coach, who was supposed to coach the All Star game. Um, so he won't be there. But uh, th- you know they they've made some changes, just like a lot of other teams have done this this year. It seems like the fuse is really short. Um, the game, you know, life moves fast, I guess, in the NHL now. And and you know, look, Vegas was in the Stanley Cup final two years ago, and and fighting for a playoff spot this year, and still not good enough. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds over the next few years. I, John John Hines, a new Predators coach who was fired in December by New Jersey, he's one of those seven, I think, seven fired coaches this year. So there's a little bit of concern among coaches around the league that that you know this is happening. And they, he said they plan to kind of meet this summer uh, at the draft and the coaches association and try to kind of figure out why this is happening and and you know what they can possibly do about it, which I don't think is a lot, but. Um, you know, this day and age, it's what have you done for me lately? And, you know, if you're not uh, doing what they what ownership thinks you're supposed to be doing, the the, uh, the trigger is very quick. One of the things they could have done was they could have knocked St. Louis out of the playoffs or kept them out of the playoffs last year. Because the, if, if I'm a franchise that's maybe I think, you know, if I'm a GM or a owner or CEO of a franchise and – I think we've got playoff potential and maybe Stanley Cup potential and we're not getting it done. I can look to St. Louis and say, well, they fired their coach when they were last place, basically. Well, they, they were last place, but and that's kind of the anomaly. Last year. Yeah, and that was yeah in January of last year. They were in last, last place and went on to win the Cup, you know, hired a new coach. So blame that guy. That's an anomaly that that happens, that you're that far down in the standings and that happens, but – we look back, and over the last 10 or 11 years, four teams have won the Stanley Cup after they fired their coach midseason. So maybe there's something to that. Um, I think it might have happened maybe two or three times in the history of the NHL before that. So, you know, I think it's it's you can't fire all the players, right? And I think sometimes it just takes – Well, you can, but it would be hard. They've still got contracts. Yeah, that would be – have to find new players. That would be a difficult task, and I don't <laughs> think that's going to be winning you any Stanley Cups. But – you know, it's it's an interesting phenomenon that's gone on in a lot of other sports for a long time, and I think now hockey's just just catching up to that. You know, where you look at baseball or football or or, or basketball, if guys aren't succeeding, even at the college level, you know, if if, if you're not if the success isn't pretty much immediate, then your your departure will be. So, um, 
Look, I think, like we've talked about before, I think a lot of these guys, you know, Vegas hired DeBoer, who was fired by the Sharks. It's just it's just recycling all these coaches around the league. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of unfolds and, and you know, what the approach is going forward. I think in some sports, the, the various franchises and the various leagues um, across all professional sports probably do a better job than may, not all of them, but some of them do better than hockey does of creating new coaches. Um, I think the NFL is less of an old boys, same old faces, same old names network now than it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Sure. Sure. Whereas the NHL seems to be, well, if you haven't coached in the NHL, how can you coach in the NHL? Well, I mean, I mean as a head coach, right? And and it's rare that it happens that you know, like the you know the Blackhawks fired Quinville, who won three Stanley Cups, and and went and hired a guy who had never coached in the NHL. But it's rare that 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 happens, right? There's kind of that old boy network, and and you know what? There's a lot bigger of a pool of coaches too in some other sports, like football, where you got a lot of coordinators you can choose from. Who maybe right, yeah, for, for every. Every head coach has two coordinators who eventually are head coach candidates if they're successful. Right, and that's basically what you're being groomed for in those jobs a lot of times is eventually you have aspirations of wanting to do that. So, you know, hockey is a little bit different. Um, but I think, you know, the Predators, um, it's, it's, it's hasn't been – they haven't been lighting the world on fire since John Hines was hired. But, you know, like I said, when he first was hired – it's going to take some time. I mean, everybody's still got to get to know each other. They got to get to know the system, the expectations. I don't necessarily know that <clears throat> this hire was made. Well, I know for a fact this hire wasn't made with the intention of, all right, if we don't make the playoffs this year, then we're going to find another coach next year. Otherwise, they would have hired an interim coach. I think, you know, while David Poyle is not a patient person, I think he understands that, you know, if you get a full half a season and then you get to summer and then you get all the training camp with the, with, with the continuity there, um, that's why the move was move was made to fire Peter Laviolette when it was made because I think there's time still possibly to make the playoffs this year and, and really looking at next year when they're going to have a lot of unrestricted free agents this summer. There's going to be a lot of, you know, could be a lot of new faces. There could be, you know, they got a lot of salary cap issues that they have to be cognizant of. So I think, you know, there's a master plan behind all this. I think people want results right now, of course, but I'm willing to give it some time, even within this season. Um, I think that, you know, when you're used to a lot of those guys, a lot of the players that have been with the Predators have been with them the whole time Lavalette was there. Um, you know, and that's a change overnight that a lot of guys, quite frankly, I don't think saw coming. And I don't even know if you could prepare for it anyway, but – so you're not going to go practice out uh, a system to be named later in your right. spare time in hockey. Right. So I think you, you, you have to, I understand that people aren't patient, <clears throat> but I think you have to be in, in this case. And look, there's a, it's not looking great for the Predators to make the playoffs this season. I think they're, you well, know, let's talk about that. Cause they're, they're very close to the bottom and the standings and they're, they're there's in the, the NHL really. And, yeah. I mean, they're, they're look, they're one point out of last place in the Central Division. I think they're seven points out of a wild card spot with three teams ahead of them. Um, it's not going to be mathematic. Mathematically, it's not going to be an easy task to to make the playoffs, but it's not impossible. And I think you know it's still the same old, you know, so still the same old, same old with, with some of the same problems they've been having. You see subtle differences now as as John kind of implements his system and. And you see little, you know, you notice little nuances. Certainly seen some lineup changes. 
There, it was an interesting, interesting one the other night was was Austin Watson had been a scratch for three, four straight games, healthy scratch, and then he goes in and plays on the top line with with Johansson and, and Yarncroke, and everybody was like, "What? What is going on?" Well, in in past regimes, we probably would have never known what went on, but but John Hines was he he specifically said I put him in there because right away at the beginning of that game, I think ten seconds in, Austin skated right past the puck and and put and hit a guy. I think he there was a matchup thing that 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 John saw that he he thought, you know, this would be and I looked at it as maybe this is the fourth line. Like maybe they're just starting off with their fourth line and putting Austin out there. But the reason that he the reason he explained why he wanted he wanted an aggressive checker out there. He wanted somebody who's going to hit out there. He wanted somebody who's going to kind of put pressure on the other team's top guys and get a little physical with them. And quite frankly, if you look at the and we won't get into all, but if you look at some of the the, the metrics and, and the advanced stats, it was a pretty successful experiment. Um, I don't think you're going to see Austin Watson on the top line all the time, but if, for that particular game, I like the fact that he looked at it and said, "I think Austin fits here." After Austin hadn't played for ages. Yeah, and and look, you know, we're learning a new coach here, and we'll learn how he does things. But but as a guy who who really I don't know know enough about him and what what his normal patterns are. This is what occurred to me when I saw that is, yeah, maybe there's a matchup reason you do it because of this other team, but there's also a message you're sending to these guys on your team. Your roster doesn't know you either. These guys don't know. And if you're saying, I expect my guys to go out there and get physical, putting Austin on the front line and having him go deliver a message right off the bat tells everybody on the bench the guy that's saying this is what he expects means it, right? And 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 I think because they have not been a physical team, and they don't really. they don't really have the they don't really have the artillery to do that. But in certain situations like this, he saw it and he wanted to do it. Also, if you look at, um, I mean, Victor Arvidsson. I mean, Peter was so he's been playing on the third line. Yeah, right? and he was so hesitant to break up that top, that Jofa line, which I understand. I mean, that was your most productive line. But if you look at if you look at the numbers this year for for Victor not having a great season, David Poyle said it when he hired John and, and announced the firing of Peter after the day after they announced the firing of Peter was our best players need to play better, and that is a long list of guys. That's that's Ryan Johansson who hasn't produced. That's Victor Arvidsson who hasn't produced. You know, Philip Forsberg to an extent hasn't produced. You know, Matthew Shane started off great and hasn't been, and has fallen off of a cliff. You know, so to speak. Uh, relative to his start, a guy who wanted to be here, a guy they've coveted for a long time. I mean, you're, has you're, not, like I said, after after the first few weeks, has not really produced it at the level that is expected of him by his own name. If you put him on any team, you right? And, more. and you look, and we've talked about this, if if the Benino Grimaldi Smith line is your most productive best line, that's a problem. When you look at the rest of this roster, no disrespect to those three of guys. Of course not. Of course not. You those want guys, them to be productive, but you expect the others to be more productive, right? And and that's the problem. You can't rely on that line to be your best line and expect to be a playoff team if everybody else is going to just fall off as far as they've fallen off. And, and the other thing too, you know, the, the goalie play has not been great. I mean, it's been so inconsistent, and and UC is just really really struggling this year. I mean, he's just not having a very good year and that's kind of frightening because he's playing more right they put a lot of stock invested a lot of time in this you know years in grooming him for this and in year three or four it seems like the transition is ready to take place and and he's just not producing and now that that also has to do with the defense in front of him i understand that you've got a defenseman that that you put in because you, you you unloaded pk so you could get duchene 
And you got a rookie, got a basically. Rookie. Um, but they've got, what, five games last year, action, something like that. Yeah, and then played in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about – And he has not yet played up to what they expect of him. Well, I mean, and I, th- I think he has. I just – I think it's it's a it's a, it's a progression. Has. I mean, Ryan Ellis being out. Ryan, True. Ryan has been out, you know, since the Winter Classic. Um, and – they definitely miss him. Him and him and, and Roman are their two best players, and by far. And you, you know you're missing one of your best players now, and for an extended period of time, Colton Sissons has been out. I don't know where he fits in the lineup when he comes back. He's now you got to sign. He was assigned to Milwaukee yesterday. Going to do, do a little rehab stint there during the break, so that he'll be back sooner rather than later. That's a good use of a guy who's ready to get close to getting back on the ice is to let him get a week in Milwaukee to get ready for the resumption during the all-star break though i thought that i understand that move well of course i mean because he's not getting anything if he during the all-star break otherwise right and then the other but the other thing too is you look at i mean there have been guys um you know yakov trennan has been pretty good since he's you know been here so it's going to make colton's return a little bit more like more decisions to be made where do you play him what do you do with him um but yeah defensively you're looking at guys who quite frankly there are several players that just aren't NHL caliber players that they've had to put in there to play extended periods of time uh, on defense, and that's really not ideal. So it's not like John Hines is walking into the perfect situation where everybody's healthy and everybody's okay, and he's, you know, this is all, and he's still making do with what every other team deals with. But when you're talking about an injury to, you know, the caliber of injury, uh, you know, a head injury, um, you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know how he's going to react when he comes back. You know, it's a delicate, kind of a delicate situation. You have to be careful with it, with Ryan. Absolutely, with anyone. And right, of course, with any, and and so that's kind of even when he comes back, that doesn't solve everything right away. That still takes time for him to kind of readjust. And I talked to Austin after he hadn't played for you know four games, and he says, "Man, it's just a whole like it's a whole different ball game when you." aren't out there playing you know you can work out all you want and and do all you want but you know he's like he was he was cashed after that after that game and you know these guys are all you know physical physical specimens and they they have great endurance but if you if you don't if all you're doing is practicing and not playing you know it's a whole different ballgame when you get back out there so that and, and that's the case with ryan i mean ryan hasn't been skating um you know at least as of when the break began um he may be out there on his own during the break. I don't, you know, I don't know for sure, but he's not. There's no physical contact. There's no preparation to come, you know, to, to play in a game anytime soon. I, I don't imagine. But they're hoping after the All Star break he'll be able to get back out there, and, and they're going to need him. Let's talk a, a little bit about the league before we wrap this up. When you when you're going to the All Star game as a guy who covers one team all the time, uh, the Predators, and obviously, uh, well, let, let's talk for a minute. What did Roman Yossi do to earn this spot? Well, you know, it's funny. The other day, I, there's been some talk. Of the Predators' struggles have brought out the Roman Yossi's not a good captain. Roman Yossi needs to, you know, start throwing things and getting mad and swearing and kicking his dog and everything else. And I just laugh at that. I mean, Roman Yossi's having – he's one of the three best defensemen in the NHL, um, you know, overall. He's having a career year offensively. He's – he's a leader by there's not anybody in that in that room and I've only, I've been around most of these guys for a year and a half covering them you know this is the middle of the second year covering them and 
Roman commands respect. And in fact, I talked last year because this kind of crept up in my mind, like, you know, this guy's not real fiery, you know, but Shea Weber wasn't, you know, Shea Weber was a leader by example. He wasn't throwing things around. And, and But I talked to, I, I asked, I did a story on, uh, does Roman Yossi ever get mad? And I asked Roman, and Roman, you know, he's humble and whatnot. But Pike said, yeah, he'll come in here and throw sticks and, and throw stuff around if if he feels that's necessary. But he's not, that's not his style. His normal temp, not his normal temperament. Right. And and so, but if you look at, I mean, if you took Roman Yossi, this is the way that I look at it. If you took Roman Yossi off of this team, they would be one of the, all everything else being relative, you just take him away from this team, they might be one of the worst teams in hockey this this season. Um, that's how much he oh, means. They are one of the worst teams in hockey this season. But <laughs> I mean, they would be really, really they bad. They would be embarrassingly bad. And that and that's taking away one guy. I mean, he, he, I can't even quantify anymore how he's an all star anywhere he plays in this league, right? He is. I mean, you're one of the best. One of the best players at your position in the league is one thing. Being one of the best players in the league, period. That's what he is, and mm-hmm. and that's on the ice, off the ice. A lot of people don't see the you know. Roman's always, and I know people don't care about this because it doesn't affect results on the ice, but Roman's always, you know, he's visible in the community. He's, you know, that also counts for he, something. He accepts all that comes with being a team captain. He does. And, I, and we always tease him because we always talk to him only after they lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for a guy who's covering this for, for the USA Today Network, who are two or three players that, that you're looking forward to watching in the All-Star game? Well, one of them won't be there. Uh, well, Alex Ovechkin um, for the second straight year, which is kind of another right. issue that that I'll be writing about this week. But um, I'm really I love seeing the Connor McDavid's. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of players on the Predators, and even Roman, Roman said that's who he's most looking forward to going. Just seeing that guy up close and and just watching him, he's 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 playing on another dimension than everybody else. Like he's just that, you know, the Gretzky like you know type player of his generation. Um, you know, I think. Just watching, um, I like to watch. Def- I'm, I've recently started liking to watch defensemen play, just mm-hmm. to see how they kind of. So, like a Carlson, I like to watch a Carlson and, and see kind of how they, not so much with the puck, but what they do. You know, because I'm still learning, I'm still trying to understand. And and by the way, John Hines has been great with like when we ask questions about why did you know what did you see here, what went wrong, why did you do this, what, and he's very good at explaining. This is how the play broke down. This is what we should have. And, and that's what – so I'm looking forward to kind of just watching these guys who are so good at what they do. It's like being – you know, like when you're a writer or, or an editor and you just – you're around somebody who does the same craft, right, or, or does something you're interested in. You just want to know how you – how are you so good at this, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of pick their brains and watch and observe. Right. And that's – that's. but, yeah, Sydney. I mean, uh, uh, Connor McDavid is by far – like I'm really looking forward to just watching him because – I it's 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 almost like magic before your eyes every time. He just does something new that you just never ever seen, and he's so much better. It's like he's on, you know, the the video game ana- analogy that you always use, where he's just you know powered up more than everybody else. All right, well, uh, Paul Scribini, you'll be covering the NHL All Star Game both for the Tennessean and for the USA Today Network. Uh, for Paul, I'm Tommy Dees. And that does it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you hadn't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. You can drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Paul Scribbing, I am Tommy Dees, and we'll be back after the All-Star break. <laughs>